0: Pastor Bowman Podcast. If you're obsessed with the strategies, gear, and stories that will make you a better backcountry bowhunter, you're in the right place. We're independent, unsponsored, and unbiased, so we can cut the fluff and give you detailed advice on what really works and what doesn't. Today's episode is part two of the Elk Hunting Crash Course. We're compressing e-scouting or finding the right spots to go elk hunting and scouting into one episode, so this is an absolute banger you don't want to miss. Hey. (laughs) What's
1: up, Baxter? Absolute banger. I don't know if I've ever used that language before. (laughs) I know. I know. I was like, dang, Baxter's getting with the times. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I mean, I do think
0: to stay on point, like I do think this is probably the most important episode to listen to as far as success rate. You like picking good spots because I think, you know, hunting strategies and tactics are really important, but if you're hunting the right area, like that's the, as we talked about on the last episode, hunting the right area within your unit—that's the most important thing,
1: right—to increase your chances. Uh, and I just want to say, I think you might be one of the best e-scouting freaking geniuses out there. <laughs> well, I think like, the amount people- of time you spend—I e- uh, yeah, think we might have said this. On, I think we might have said this on another episode. But I was like, I'm pretty sure his free time just e-scouts. <laughs> pretty much. Yeah. Well. <laughs> I mean, I think there's guys that have whole
0: courses on this and I'm sure there's twenty people better than me, but all I know is I do spend pretty much <laughs> all my free time, you know, work. People log on to Facebook or take a 15 minute break. I fire up Google Earth and just huh. <laughs> so I spend way too much time doing this. And honestly, if I look back and we do this stupid thing where I say I killed elk four out of five years, like I I think if there's one thing, like I know the three things that did it. It's it was my approach, like how hard I'd worked at it. Two was like my scouting and three was the fitness. Mm-hmm. Like those are the three things I I would put it against. So I, anyway, I'm just talking this stuff because I really do think it's one of the biggest things. And this is how people screw
1: up. There's more opportunities to screw up than win here, which is sad, but true. Mm. So. And so, uh, yeah, basically we're going to continue the crash course and um, we're basically summarizing the... Uh, a couple of episodes and a couple of blog posts from last year the first is picking the best elk hunting spots guide to e-scouting i'll link that in the description and then later we'll talk about boots on the ground scouting as well and that one's called elk scouting should you go and what to look for but first thing to cover off is the fun thing of tools which i was never good at but uh yeah what are the tools we should cover when it comes to e-scouting
0: yeah really good question let me i'll jump back one more step which is josh and i were talking before this and we're bopping around that series like crazy so we're trying to combine things that make sense and i know that before this we said hey we're not going to do the training because that's a whole episode of itself that's worth listening to and also it's a little late um and we're also going to have a few guests on in a bit that we think are going to be really good at the training aspect so we've talked that up in our monthly check-ins like crazy so we'll just pass on that one um and then what are we doing? We'll do some gear and we'll do some tactics. So this one's all about picking the spot. Did I do that right, Josh? Yes, sir. You all right. It. So the tools, e-scouting. Um, again, we skim through these. We go quick. If you want more detail, it's going to be in the article. But uh, when everyone hears e-scouting, they think, oh, Onyx or Google Maps. Um, and that's completely kind of incorrect. <laughs> <laughs> like Google Earth is really the 10-pound or thousand pound gorilla in the room. Like that's the one you have to use. And a few folks are trying to come up with things that, you know, complement it at this point, but no one's beaten it. Uh, so definitely you're going to want Google Earth Pro. We talked through how to get a pro subscription for free. They used to charge, you know, thousand dollars for that license. It's now free. And you definitely, definitely want to use the version you download on your computer, not the like the app or the, the web app or the smartphone app. So that's, that's that. So you definitely need that one. Like 100% everyone needs that. And we'll talk about why here in a bit. Um, but the one that most people overlook, I feel like, is the state hunt planners, uh, which are, you know, Idaho and Colorado and a bunch of other states have their own hunt mapping system that shows you the roads and where you can go and all this stuff. And the number one reason for that is that they know what roads are open and what roads are closed. They are the definitive source of that. Versus Onyx and Google Earth and Google Maps and all these other mapping software, like they just show a road and they're like, there's a road there. And that road actually might be closed during season and the state's going to know that. So that's one of the biggest things I have to say about e-scouting is you absolutely should be using those hunt pla- uh, hunt planners. There's a lot of really valuable information in there. They have fires, you know, when it burned, why it burned, all that stuff in a lot of them. So. I list all the reasons there, but that's really the number one reason you should have that fired up too. Mm -hmm. Um, And you had that experience with that too, Josh, right? Speaking of scouting. So
1: yeah, yeah, my first year I went uh, boots on the ground scouting, went to Colorado and uh, (laughs) rented a car and drove out there. I was all nervous. First out of state solo backpacking trip. And then drove on the trail and then bam, a gate. Ah, dang it. (laughs) Yeah, No signal on the drive all the way kind of back to town. Stop at a gas station, fire up the Google and do some searching. (laughs) Yeah. And that's, I mean, it's like you hear that all
0: the time, right? The guy's like, put the road on Onyx or Google Earth looked great. And it's like, yeah, well, that road's not open. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, And I'm not, I love Onyx. I use it all the time. It's a great thing, but it just can't do that. They can never know as much as the state knows. Um, So they're great, great tools. Uh, So those are kind of the three, you know, I'd say with Onyx, people always ask, I really need this, do I want it? Uh, My answer is always, it depends, right? If you're just like the thing about Onyx that's absolutely incredible is land ownership, right? They show you exactly where the private property is and the public land is and all that good stuff. But the thing about elk hunting is you're almost always in an area where there's very little to know. Uh, private land if you're hunting somewhere like Colorado or Idaho um, parts of Montana where there's a ton of just a ton of open space it's not like you'd even really need to know that Uh, but I use it like crazy if you're hunting marginal areas bird hunting doing things around where farms are your elk hunting location might be near a lot of private land it's fantastic Um, that's really that's really the benefit I see out of it. So it's kind of about where you're going. So I can't tell people just generally, is it, do I think it's worth it or not? For me, it's absolutely worth it. For you, it might be, right? Is that
1: your experience there too, Josh? I love Onyx Maps because I have no sense of direction. <laughs> so when I'm actually out there, it is a freaking lifesaver
0: for me. Yep, It is great. Yeah, it's a totally great tool. It, it now can legitimately replace a GPS, especially if you have a safety tool like an EPIRB or a PLB. Or satellite communicator we talked about those um like I, you know i used to always be before onyx was on phones that were waterproof i was like i would never trust that um but now that i have a true safety backup system i'm like yeah absolutely i'll trust that because phones have good batteries and yeah yada.
1: yada, yada. So, yeah and we are hey. unsponsored as a reminder yes don't get paid for this you if you if you end up using it wish we did but we don't um, yeah. <laughs> uh how about some uh you have some pretty good tips for google earth i remember you telling me about that um kind of saves you <laughs> in the field a bit uh, yeah i want to cover those
0: yeah and we'll cover those and then we'll you know to kind of round out the e-scouting thing maybe we do the we'll walk through like the six steps i have of finding what i think are the best elk spots you could ever hunt mm-hmm. again a unit you get dropped into even if it has a bad success rate you're gonna get into a fantastic amazing spot i was just talking to a friend this weekend and i was saying you know everyone's so down on colorado and i still think it's just as good as idaho if not better because you get 30 guys at a trailhead in colorado and 28 of them go the totally normal directions and that means all the elk go where they didn't go and it's super easy to hunt elk there sometimes because they're all concentrated (laughs) in these tiny little areas these little holes <laughs> little holes so that's exactly what this is that's what we're going to cover um yeah the tips i mean I th- i'll hit some of them i mean really the reason you need to use google earth is that um you can I, I should just cover those first is historical satellite imagery like google has this feature where you can go back and click through you know every year that they've taken a satellite photo that's incredibly helpful because you can see the green patches Mm-hmm. And also all these different photos what you don't realize is they're only taken once a year. So one might be taken in July one year, one might be taken in October one year, one be, might be taken in April. So you want to look at, hey, you might find one year that's like, oh, this is September. Oh, okay. On an average year, quote unquote, is there water there? Is there not? Versus if you're just looking at you know, something like Onyx or State Planner, they you don't even know when that photo was taken. And so it might look super green, but that was taken in April, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so that's the single most important thing about Google Earth is just being able to click through multiple gears while looking at the same spot and help you find really important things like water and uh, wallows and all that sort of good stuff.
1: Um, yeah. So-
0: that's the thing I like to hit people and you've you've had that experience. you've used that before right?
1: Yeah, yeah I have it's almost like a timeline thing that you can scroll right so you can kind of look yep. at seasons or else like some areas are just covered in snow and you're like, oh I can't go there but then it's like oh I was taken in December. yeah, yeah, I can go there in September. so yep um, yeah so that's I mean that's one of my
0: biggest ones and again, guys we're not you know it would take me five minutes to walk you through exactly how to do that you can go to the article you can do XY. Z, go listen to the other podcast. Um, you know, you can do things from any angle on Google Earth. You can mark your waypoints and then transfer them to GPS. We talk about that in the strategy bit. But the whole point of using this is to find your A, B, C, D, E spots. We'll talk about what that is later. And then run the loop, quote unquote, which is find all the high probability bits. Go hit them all. So the great thing about Google Earth is you can mark all those waypoints and transfer them over mm-hmm. um, later on. Um but other like tactical tips man just trucking here you can absolutely make the mountains look taller i walk you through how to do that the number one mistake people with google Earth make with google earth you know this all the time is oh it looked easy on <laughs> <laughs> right you've been you've been there we've yeah. both been there <laughs> yeah it can something that looks doable on google earth can be utterly insane in person um, yes Absolutely. So I always tell people to go at least they have this thing that lets you exaggerate the height of the mountains. And I say to do it by a factor of 1.5, because that'll give you a realistic look at what it'll look like in person. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's a good tip. I show people how to kind of spin around and do the 3d thing. You know, we talked about historical imagery, waypoints, you know, rulers are really good for you to plan because you never really want to be more than four or five off trail miles from the trailhead. If you're solo or even with a buddy, that's a hell of a pack out with a thousand or two thousand feet. So it's a really, really good way to keep yourself honest.
1: Yeah. So the ruler is where you can like draw out that path, right, and like measure just how far that distance is and see the elevation going up and down on that path.
0: Yep. Exactly. Yeah. Yes, you can see that. And a lot of places, you know, a lot of tools have that onyx. Even Go Hunt started to do a little scouting stuff. They've got some cool tools like elevation bands and other things, but they've got a, a long way to go still. Um, yeah. So, I mean, those are the tips and tricks. that I walk folks through that. Yeah. Um, and you've you've done that. I mean, I think the thing about Google Earth is you just get used to it. So those are really good places to start. And those are the by far the most valuable things. But just the more you're in it, the more comfortable you get. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. So then the six steps is yeah. it six six steps? I think it's six.
0: Yeah. This is this is it. This is like the meat of it. Um like how to find these spots. So, well, maybe we hit the a b c d e spots and oh, why you yeah. need multiple spots. You want to mm-hmm. you just want to do that
1: one Josh. I feel like you you all <laughs> folks understand the why there. <laughs> yeah. Um and I, yeah. So, uh the a b c d e spots. So like let's say you're looking and you on Google Earth and you found And correct me if I get any of this way off, Baxter. But I I feel like that point is about, let's say you find this big valley and you're like, all right, this spot looks pretty elky. I can park here. I can can access pretty much all this. Is it the, you want to find the little pockets in there where you think are like the highest probability. And then on day one, when you get there, you do this loop and you go and confirm and visit all of them looking for sign.
0: Yeah, Yeah, totally. And the way I was thinking about it, the the side of it that's most important is i think most guys just pick one spot oh in spots, in like the like, whole valley they're like oh there's this this yeah. i'm
1: going to go in and go in there and kill an elk
0: in there totally you're like you know i'm going to colorado and i'm hunting that valley and you show up in that valley to your point and the roads closed or there's 50 hunters and they're firing rifles at cans or you know something weird happens which is or you go there and even like happens all the time you go there and there's just no elk then you're Mm -hmm. like dang it now what and as you walked through earlier now what is driving back to town burning at least a half a day of your you know five days of hunting uh just looking so you're gonna feel like real idiot and i've done this before so that's why i know what it feels like but you feel like a real idiot because like i only have so many days to hunt and i'm just stuck in front of a computer when i'm doing that 360 days a year (laughs) yeah so it's, the whole concept is like absolutely always, always, always have at least three to five spots you've scouted and picked out because even, even spots that are great year over year, as we learned last year, they just show up dry sometimes and, or wolves move in or whatever. And it's, you got to go to the next one. So that's, with that in mind, we can talk about how to pick elk hunting spots because you always want to pick multiple ones. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So let's do the six steps. We've done enough windup, right? Um, so I think the number one, if you don't know anything about elk hunting or you're not that familiar with it, the safest thing is always to start at treeline, right? That's step number one when you're looking for elk. Um, basically the elk follow the snow up all all summer because that leaves green grass, which is the most nutritious, yada, yada, yada. They could be anywhere. Like they really could be from, you know, in Idaho, it's 9,000 feet is treeline. Um, in Colorado, it's 11,000 feet, but there's, that's a big difference between the states. The further south you go, the higher a tree line is. But if say in Idaho, they could be anywhere from six thousand up to nine thousand. But you're probably going to find your highest concentration of elk within a thousand to two thousand feet of tree line. Mm-hmm. So if you don't know anything about elk scouting or you don't know anything about where you're going, just top two thousand feet. So go find the tree line on uh, Google Earth and go from there. Um, and you've you you did that right, and it wasn't that hard even for folks that don't understand or
1: never seen it before. It's pretty clear what that looks like. Once you see it, yeah. Once you just see it on Google Earth, you'll you'll see what Baxter means by the tree line. It's like once they start disappearing, basically when you get too high uh, and stay at that line and then drop down a bit. Yeah. And you'll even
0: see lots of parts in Colorado, the elk, you almost always the elk feed um, down at night. But in Colorado, I've even seen them go up above tree line in the southerly oh, really? units. Yeah. So there's... <laughs> really it's a good starting point to find elk because just get kind of the tree line mm-hmm. um, and start there. So that's, that's number one. If you don't know anything back to point number two, the thing we're going to harp on every, every episode here is avoiding the people, right? So almost everyone looks at the map, finds a trailhead, right? Like that's, that's a place, there's a parking lot and they go there. And if there's one nugget I can give you, it's that if you're going to a trailhead, you should probably park about a mile down the road or a place where almost everyone accesses um, this. And it's, I'm being very vague because sometimes that's a trailhead. Sometimes that's a parking lot. Sometimes that's like a, the end of a dirt road. Just look at where you would first go and then say, no, 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 don't go there. Or if you do go there, hike a different direction. Mm-hmm. What you're trying to do here is you're not trying to necessarily find the elk. You're already doing that with the tree line thing. You know, there's somewhere in that general area. You're trying to find the areas where there's not going to be people. Mm-hmm. Right. So, whether that's looking at, um, you know, walking up the trail and then just jumping off it and walking into a basin that's two miles away that you think everyone's going to walk right by, whether that's parking on the side of a freaking freeway because no one else parks there or having your friend drop you off. <laughs> and you're now into an area that's 10 miles from a trailhead and there's just elk everywhere. One of the best spots I've ever seen was the side of a freeway in Colorado, like 400 elk up the side of that mountain and people drove by. Half a mile away, all day long, but no one's ever hunted it, right? Because you're not going to park off the side of a freeway. You Crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's that's kind of the most important thing. Um, so you know, off tr- off road turnouts, isolated trail areas, crossing a river. People don't want to do the difficult thing. Um, those sorts of things to get you away from people. That's how you find elk in the modern world, right? It's finding the pockets of elk that just aren't ever going to get people walking through there. Mm -hmm. Um, I killed Josh heard this story, but I killed a Turkey this week using this exact same principle where I'm very close to an area that has thousands of people. And I went into it, did a thing no one would have done and went down into that area. And sure enough, very old, huge Turkey and got really lucky and got him. But I, I mean, I think if you told most people where that was, they'd be like, What? Uh, but I'm like, you know, no one would do exactly what I'm doing. Right. Yeah. They'd be like, no, thanks for no a bird. Nah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, and I'm not saying you necessarily need to bust your butt because the guys that bust their butt hike six to 10 miles in and then they find their other 20 buddies and they're like, what, um, this is hunting smart for sure. So that's, that's my advice. Number two, we talk a lot more in detail about that in the episode itself, but at this point, I'm also just not trying to give away the nuggets because there's there's a lot of people. <laughs> showing up at our elk hunting spots these days mm-hmm. um, yeah so that's it right distance from the road is step three so you're kind of narrowing down these areas right you're looking at spots that you know are, are great and then you're like okay hey, now now what And like we talked about practically you can only be about two to five miles in if you're going to pack out the elk if you've got a packer you could be further but honestly it's i would always say you should be at least a uh mile to two from any sort of area that has human traffic. I've linked a few studies in the article, but these are not hunting studies. These are biologists that show the distribution of elk and unbelievably high correlation to 0.5 to one mile from human being uh, access is where elk always are. Mm. So whether that's a trail, whether that's a road, whether that's, um, a ski lift, you name it. Like there's anything where you're, they're going to see a human. They're about a mile away. So that, that also means even if you're on a backcountry trail, 15 miles in, and there's a lot of random
1: backpackers, this is still going to be about a mile from that trail. Well, I never taken a look at the study. I just clicked it. This is like a legit, like scientific oh, yeah. study. <laughs> yep. No, it's, this is, this is the deep end. <laughs> Whoa. Yeah. Yeah. I'm looking yeah. at like decimal points and yeah. A lot of like, yeah, this is legit. <laughs> yep.
0: Very okay, cool. So now you've, you know, you found tree line, top 2,000 feet. You're like, I got to avoid people and I got to go about, you know, at least a, a mile in. And that's that's really narrowing down these little pockets, right? Mm-hmm. Going, huh, like there's a hole there. Um, and again, people, you're the number one bias you're going to have is like further, harder. Yeah. You got to realize like the most out of the obvious is what you're looking for. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Then it's kind of about elk behavior and what you're looking for, because then you're going to find elk, right? So we talked about avoid the humans first, then find the elk. So first, water. You know, they've you know elk have to drink ten gallons of water a day. They've got to be within a mile of it. It's amazing how much they go up and downhill, but they've got to be near water. So if you find water in an area, wallows, little lake, there's a stream, like that's where elk are going to be, right? Full stop. Um, so that's the number one thing I'm looking for in Google Earth. So when I was talking about those different years, I'm looking for the green because the mm-hmm. green shows you where water is. And right. Remember, we were looking, we did this together. Remember, we found those wallows, and you're like, what? That's a wallow?
1: Yeah. And, um, like it's so look, often,
0: yeah. it's just in the middle of the trees. Remember, you can't even see it. Mm-hmm.
1: I, I like, I wouldn't, if I was going on Google Earth and like scouting that's zoomed in, I, first time looking at it i wouldn't even really be able to tell it was a wallow it kind of just looks like a like a dot or or like a little like black patch or like a slightly colored different patch in a really really green area
0: yeah we've got a photo up on the website but folks can look at that but also you know here's the juicy nugget that the the best wallows and the best spots i've ever had are often when you see green inside of trees but you can't see anything else you don't even see the wallow itself mm-hmm. a lot of the great spots we hunted last year you'll just see that excuse me which is it's a sign that there's water in the trees and when there's water is in, in trees elk have almost always made a wallow um and it's something that most hunters don't see so really good to look for that mm-hmm. um then you know the, after that i'm looking for bedding areas the elk do need kind of a bench or an you know, they, there's always this thing about the north-facing slope, which is funny because, I mean, I guess if you're somewhere where there's no water and you know, wood on one side of the mountain, that makes sense. But I've seen elk bedded on south-facing slopes, west, east. I don't really believe in the they're always going to go to north-facing slopes. It just doesn't work that way. Mm-hmm. It sells, it sells courses and registrations and gets clicks, but it's not that easy. So, yeah, north is nice, but I don't, I really don't buy the
1: north facing slopes thing yeah like Obviously. it's not an absolute you mean
0: no the thing i do buy and i bet i'm gonna be curious to see if you saw this last year but is that steep they love steep so the steeper an area is and it's got a nice bench
1: on it they're there like mm. they're all about that uh, yeah the first cow i oh actually I a bunch of those cows that we ran into and that bull actually was all on a pretty steep <laughs> Wow, it's Steady clicking. <laughs> <laughs> They're all in the steep stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's so uh, they
0: like this is why it's fun to resummarize this stuff as we're kind of putting our own dots back together. Like, oh, uh, but they love steep because that's something they know they can out compete even predators on. Like, they can run uphill faster than anything. Mm-hmm. Um, so, that's the number one thing I look for It's not north facing slopes, it's like a woody place with a bench. And for folks that aren't familiar with what a bench is, it's just like a flat, it's a flat piece of ground on a very steep area, that's Yeah, kind
1: of like cut into the side of the mountain almost.
0: Yeah, and it might be ten feet wide, which you can't see on Google Earth, or it might be two hundred yards wide, right? But mm-hmm. either of those, elk are going to love it because they've got steep all around them, but they've got a flat spot to lay down. Um, that's what you're looking for. So, you know, we walked through that. There's a bunch of examples. Final step in my. My opinion is finding feed, you know, they do need to go get the grass at some point and they can go surprising amounts up and down every morning, every night, as we learned. It's my bull last year, like 2000 feet, but uh, you just have to be able to find something within a mile of where you're at. That's got a meadow or green grass, um, something they can eat. Right. Right. Uh, so if you got all that, that's dynamite, right? If you put them all together, you, you'll look and you'll see, just start with, you know, Hey, all the tree line, that's pretty much the entire, you know, well, now we're down to 10% of the unit. And then you find all these access points and you say, okay, well, there's a trail through there. There's a trailhead there. There's a ton of stuff. Okay. Let's X that out, that out, that out. Now you find these little pockets. Then you start walking down these pockets and you go, is this something somewhere where people are going to go to logically or think about X those out. Then you look for the water, the bedding areas, the feed and all of a sudden you'll notice it just really starts dropping down to, you know, in a given area, maybe four or five, 10 spots you're looking at. Mm -hmm. And that's how you start finding these A or B spots. Cause you'll find a valley and you're like, you'll find, you know, five of those in a valley and you're like, awesome. This is a really cool area to go. And that's what I would call your A spot. Now you need to go find your B spot, which is the next place you'd want to go if that one doesn't work out.
1: Right. Like, like the whole valley could be A. And then within there, you have a little, a loop of A, B, C, D, or like five yeah. little spots in there. And that whole area is like your primo, like number one spot. Then you go to your, have a backup giant other valley, like, I don't know, 30 minute drive away or whatever, wherever it is. And then yep. go find another bunch of little spots in there to go loop.
0: Yep. Totally. And that's, right. that's how you do it. Cause once you get that, once you find all these little micro spots, the elk could be. Um, and they're all within a few miles. It's pretty easy for you to do a day hike through them all if you're moving mm-hmm. um, day, maybe two. And if you get into that area and you know, you look for the sign and you find it, you're like, oh, I did it. They're here. Right. Yeah. And so it's amazing. It sounds really hard on this, but when you start going through that checklist process of elimination, they just pop out. Like you just can't help but see them. And you're like, wow, that's a, that's an amazing spot.
1: Yeah. So your first time hunting Baxter, how many how many spots did you have?
0: Uh, you know, I didn't I hadn't really learned all that. I learned a lot of it by screwing up, like I mentioned. And then again, I did I shot my bull the third the third day, so I definitely <laughs> picked a good spot. Um but I, I actually screwed up and did what most people normally do, which is trailhead, you know, up the up the trail and then I went like a fourth or a half mile off, which is not enough. Hmm. there were definitely a lot of other guys in that area. And then I realized how much pressure and what people are doing. I was like, oh, these guys are going here because it's easy. And I was like, well, there's the mountain with the little like saddle between the two areas everyone's going. So I kind of figured it out on the fly, right? Interesting. And then when I went up to the top of that saddle, I was like, oh my gosh, they're everywhere here. They're just loaded because everyone goes to the right of them. Everyone goes to the left of them. Oh, and they're so all
1: getting they're pushed.
0: Just, get pushed right in that one little pocket. And we're talking we're not talking four or five miles here. We're talking like half mile segments, right? Like tiny pockets. Dang. Um, and I mean, people think elk bugles travel forever and sometimes they do, but for example, Colorado, every year I've been there, I've heard multiple elk bugle opening day. They're just bugling so soft that you can only hear it a few hundred yards away. Hmm. So if you're in the right spot, you can hunt them like crazy. They're everywhere. Right. If you're not, you're like, oh, Colorado's silent. We never hear a bull.
1: Mm. that's what happened to me in my first time out there. (laughs) Totally. (laughs) guys. didn't see anything. Happened to me for the first day or two of the first year I went and then I was like, ah, figured that out. Yeah. So how many spots do you have now? Like going into this season? (laughs) Like more than 30?
0: Yeah. I mean, the problem, like the (laughs) hardest thing in life for me is that I've got all these thousands of spots I want to go see. Yeah. um, And I'll never be able to get to all of them. I mean, remember when you came yeah, 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 where I was, I was like, "Go try this, 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 and this." And uh I think one of them didn't work out so well, but the other two were great. I mean, you ran into bulls and
1: mm-hmm. saw their stuff. So, and then even when we got your your bull, you were like, "Oh, you know what? I scouted this place before." This spot, yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah.
0: When we were heading over there, it was mentally yeah. in my mind. I'd already, I mean, of course, I've scouted every spot within a five <laughs> or ten minute drive. But I didn't mentally, my mind was like, oh, I know where this is going. There's a, there's a massive wallow in the middle of this area. I just always thought it was so far back. And
1: and then we got and there, there and it was,
0: <laughs> that wallow was sick. It was amazing. I mean, that area was Trashed. torn up, but I yeah. mean, I'd always known it was a great spot. I was just like, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but he dragged us all the way up there. <laughs> way back. Way up there. Um, yeah. So that's, I mean, that's, Probably my summary of e scouting and oh, killed this one of all the ones kills me. because we could go into so many details on how to do this. Um, but I probably should just put up a video because I feel like people, oh, be, to walk people through it, yeah. I should probably scout like a national park or something where, right? Because otherwise, people want to murder me when I <laughs> show their
1: good elk spots, yeah. Um, scout like Yellowstone or something,
0: yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, but, um, so that's so that's the e scouting bit. If you guys have questions, they can always fire us the thing, but that, I think if there's one thing you're doing right now, other than working out, of course, that's going to make you successful e-scouting a lot is going to be it. Yeah. There's a lot of spots and it's a virtuous cycle, right? Like you, you did this last year and you're never going to quite know it, but then you go and you're like, Oh no, 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 that, that is good. No, that's not good. And after one or two years, you're like, oh, you really understand. You start to understand what the map looks like and what that looks like in real life. Mm-hmm. And that once you get that experience, then it's like game time. Cause right. you're like, oh, okay, those, I know what good spots look like on the ground. And that's what they look like from the air. So then you're really dangerous because you can go scout other places. You're like, oh, that looks like the good spot on the ground over there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So right. I think you guys should always, always. You know, I didn't say this another year, but I always, 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 always fire up Google Earth in a few days of coming back from the season.
1: Oh, that's right. Yeah.
0: And I start marking all the things I thought were good and I look at them and it's amazing. It's like a
1: light bulb going off in your brain. You're like, oh, okay. So then that means this other spot might be like that. Mm. Yeah. So, yeah. It's like confirming what you saw in the field and then what you saw in the field confirms what you saw on the computer and it's like this back and forth um totally and that's a
0: perfect segue into physical scouting right 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 (laughs) and that's how we're combining these
1: two yeah Um, and just a reminder people i will link the uh e-scouting guide in the episode description so you can click through it like don't worry about taking notes while you're while we're speeding through this but just idea here is give you a good overview so you kind of can imagine what this process is like and then you can just follow the guide but uh boots on the ground is it worth it
0: yeah i think that's the number one thing I get on this one is like when people hear scouting, they think oh, I've got to take a trip out in the summer and go see it. And now that I'm a resident and most residents would be like, you're a nut job for not going scouting. Cause Hey, you can drive three hours and go do it. Mm-hmm. But for non-residents, it's a really, it's crazy. It's a ton of money. It's a whole weekend, maybe a vacation day that's probably better spent actually all cutting. Um, so I personally, we've talked about this. My personal viewpoint is it's not, It's not a great thing for most non-resident hunters to go spend the money in the weekend unless they've got that time and money to burn. Mm -hmm. Um, I would rather spend a day elk hunting than scouting. But it is a good thing. And it really, above all, it's something you should be doing during season while you're hunting too or after you're hunting. We've talked about that so many times. Mm -hmm. The best thing you can do is after you shoot an elk, keep going places and scout, make you more likely to be successful the next year. Um, and you did a ton of that this year. Like you tagged along with people, but you saw so many spots.
1: Oh my gosh. Yeah. 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 I, was, I, I mean, essentially last year of hunting was basically just a one month scouting trip um, yeah. during season. <laughs> <So> <laughs> totally. I didn't get anything. Well, I mean, I guess I was hunting, but it, it was, I mean... Now I have so many spots to go back to. Yeah, which I'm excited
0: about. You have a giant, giant repertoire, which is again going you know, to boost your success rate like crazy. But mm-hmm. you know, so even for guys that are like, I'm not going on a scouting trip. Like, I think this is important stuff to listen to because it's really going to help you during hunting season too. But like, really quickly, the reason I don't don't think elk scouting trips are worth it for non-residents, being really clear on who I don't think it's good for, is that the elk they're not where they are going to be during the season. Like we talked about they follow the snow line and they tend to migrate up generally speaking a month or two out just because you find an elk there doesn't mean it's going to be there in season also the bulls are almost always separate from the cows and so you're actually going to want to look for the cows during scouting because the bulls will go there but you can see we're just going down this rabbit trail of just because they're there doesn't mean they're going to be there during the season so that's one right they're not together yeah, the bulls are still in velvets. So you're not really... You're going to get an idea of potential. And the non-residents that do this like crazy, have game cams up. And it, like I said, it's a good thing for them, for residents. But for non-residents, it's going to be hard for you to even tell how big the elk are. You know, it's expensive. It limits your time hunting in the fall. Um, e-scouting is way more efficient, like we talked about. Um, yeah, so there's just a ton of reasons I think it's really rough. But exception-wise we're just blasting through this. Um, I do think if you have a limited entry tag, you know, like you need to go somewhere, you can only hunt once, it's worth a scouting trip. You're an absolute rookie, like you were, Josh, where you just yep. never seen it. And you're like, I don't even have a clue what to look for mm-hmm. so in Google Earth. And I think it'd be great to go verify that before the season. Yeah, I want to save myself from the
1: mistake of driving up that road. I think that can be good. Yeah, and also just to pause on that, yeah. Um, that note real quick. Yeah. If you're an, if you've like never seen elk sign ever, or like what a rub looks like, or I've never gone. well, I was going to prepping to go solo hunting. So I hadn't, I don't, I had gone solo camping, like car camping kind of, and maybe like a one nighter backpack, but never really like out of state on my own backpacking in back country with no trails and stuff. So for me, it was, it was very worth it. A big confidence builder. Yeah. Um. Totally. Yeah.
0: And if you know, we talked about if you live close by, you're a resident, you've got a ton of time and money. (laughs) Don't we all wish we had that? (laughs) Um, or it's your practice trip. Remember, we talked about how important it is to get out in the you know, one to three months before backpacking for elk and like test all your gear. Like, yeah, a good way to do that.
1: And I like how you wrote and test hunting buddies. (laughs) Yeah, it's a really good way to test hunting buddies, (laughs) make sure that's going to be okay. (laughs) Yeah.
0: So, anyway, I mean, that's that's just kind of my take on like the if when you should go. Um, but I think the most important thing about this is like, what are you looking for, right? Like whether it's scouting before season or even during season, like what are the things that you, you should look for to see if this is a good area to hunt elk generally year over year. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's that's the elk sign, right? It's not the elk themselves we talked about. They might be in a different area. I mean, last year was a perfect example of that. Uh, we went up there, before season and D was nice enough to scout it. And I, you know, looked up the mountain and saw tons of elk. He'd seen a bunch. They were really close to camp. We're all fired up. This is the best year ever. And then sure enough, not a single elk down low the first you know two weeks. So it was like the elk just disappear. Mm-hmm. Um, but elk, you know, elk scouting and the sign, we talk about that a little later and we could probably dive into it there, but rubs are really, really good ones um wallows right because wallows will generally get hit you know the wallows that are active in the summer are probably too low during the season so you're going to find wallows that are higher up um, that haven't really been hit as much yet Mm -hmm. Um, those are fantastic really good like game trails that look old but are just hammered in those are great game trails because they're ones that look like uh they'll could have been there year after year after year right right um, those sorts of things, that's, that's really good stuff to look for. Um, if you do see cows, right, like that's, that's where the bulls are going to get to. And the cows generally don't move that much if the snow is totally gone. Like if mm-hmm. the snow is past tree line and they can get all the way up there and you find them, they're probably going to be there during the season. Mm. Uh, oh, interesting. Scouting really late, right? You got oh, to okay. the last month,
1: month and a half before season. Cause that's when all the snow's gone. Gotcha. Gotcha. Most of these places. Yeah. yeah. Do you think you'll take some, I mean, now that you're a resident, like how many scouting trips do you think you'll take? Like, when do you think you'll take them this year?
0: Yeah, I'll absolutely go. Um, probably just to drop camp, if nothing else, just to see what's in there. And, you know, I, I think I remember, you know, you and a friend left in there last year, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. That's no, right. it was Josh was on the. No obligation to get the cam, um, but we. <laughs> I, I tried when I looked I look, was, I look, I look for it. and You did look for it. You did, <laughs> but I giving someone directions to your cam in the middle of nowhere is almost impossible with a text message. Yeah, it's yeah, kind of hard. Exactly. Uh, so my camera's been out there all winter long, which is going to be awesome to see the photos. Um, so I'm definitely going to go get that. Going to go look at it. Um, for me, it's more since I know that general area. It's verifying other things I've e-scouted. So it's like going to spots that haven't normally gone to, to add more to the repertoire this year in case right. last year happens again, where we go through like the top four or five. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm definitely going to go do that. And then yes, just look at new areas, right? I'm not right. really going to even look at where I, I'm not going to probably go to the area I'm going to go to opening day mm-hmm. or any of the areas I'm going to like my one, two, three ABC oh, spots.
1: Interesting. Cause you just know they're uh, like, do you think you're going to hunt those spots or do,
0: yeah, that'd be or, the spot. I hit one first, second, and third. Oh, um, I see what you're so saying, there. but you're gonna like, go scout new spots, new spots. Because I know, gotcha. I know my spots, and it's not really gonna tell me anything if I walk in there and I see. Oh, that's elk right. Or, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I'm pretty confident the elk will be there in the fall <laughs> anyway. It um, almost play mind games with me if I see a ton of them in there. That, are they gonna hang out till then? Right. Um, so yeah, and I mean, I think the other thing that. Uh, scouting is really really good for is finding like good glassing points and campsites so josh's point of we got sucked all the way back up there and that was somewhere i'd already seen like a lot of the time i know it's a good area or you can see it's a good area but you don't understand how can i camp there and hunt the elk without being right on top of them right mm-hmm. some these giant creek drainages like that where we went are a perfect example you're like there's not a campsite except in the bottom of the creek which is can be rough if there's, that's exactly where they walk. Right. Yeah. Um, so going to places that I've scouted and seeing, Oh, there's a perfect glassing point where I can see the whole country. Right, and there's right. the Perfect campsite. Those are things that save you crazy
1: time and give you a big advantage during the hunting season. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, man. Yeah. So if you got the time and money, you know, definitely there are some advantages there, but if you live really far, you don't really have the time and money. Yeah. E-scouting might be your best bet, huh? Yeah. And I don't, you know, we talked about e-scouting. I think it's one of the biggest
0: things that can, e-scouting the right way, I should say, is one of the things that could really make you successful. I think scouting's helpful, but I, like if someone doesn't go, I'm like, oh, you don't, I don't see any problem. I mean, I didn't scout. I've scouted once ever <laughs> as a non-resident Oh, really? ever, ever, because I just didn't see the utility in it. And I still killed those four, you know, four elk in a row. So yeah. It's. Uh, I don't think it's the make or break thing. So gotcha. guys that uh, are panicking
1: right now because they don't have their scouting trip
0: booked, it's okay.
1: Yeah, which year did you uh, actually scout?
0: Uh, it was the second year I went to Colorado early.
1: Oh, um, oh, okay. So you went uh, pretty close to season to
0: scout. Pretty close to season, like a week early and then spent some time fly fishing and oh, nice. looking at other stuff. Um, and then I've gone, you know, had a bunch of buddies go, yeah. A bunch of friends had walked me through it. I've been in elk areas in July and June um, that I didn't hunt. So I was essentially scouting those areas and then mm. asked guys that hunted there what it was like. And I was like, well, I saw X, Y, Z. And they're like, oh no, no, no. So pretty clear that none of it ever really correlated
1: to, to what we we're doing. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So, Well, hopefully maybe I'll get to go up there with you this yes. August. That'll be fun. <laughs> It gets you all fired up, right? You get to go see it. Yeah, yeah. yeah I think honestly, like I,
0: this is one I've gotten the most, some of the most flack for on comments and other things. That oh, really? Necessarily. Because I think most guys love it. It's like part of their elk cutting season is like going and looking and scouting. And um, so I'm not trying to talk that down. I'm not trying to tell people it's not valuable. But for the non-residents, don't
1: panic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not that it's not valuable. I think people probably just didn't see the nuance in what you were saying. Yeah. Um haha, it seems like we do that a lot these days, with headlines and whatnot. Right. But uh, no uh politics. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. <laughs> Which side are you on? Scouting yeah. or no scouting? scouting? But uh there's there's in in the a middle. middle ground. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah.
0: Oh, oh, that's cool. good times. Yeah. So, anyway, I think that's that's the most important thing is picking those spots and I would encourage folks that are brand new to it. Like you, you won't nail it the first year, but it's worth your effort. But man, it's of all the things you like learn. I feel like this is one of the biggest ones. So many guys I know that have been doing it for 20, 30 years. Like I don't scout. I don't look at e-scout. What What is this stuff? And I'm like, dude, you have no, no idea how powerful, you know, e scouting is like, it's, it's a way to take
1: your tech fluency and make yourself a good hunter. <laughs> right. And, uh, yeah. So that's anything else we should cover on this part two of the crash course.
0: I don't think so. I think that's it. I mean, get, go fire those up, write us an email if you got questions, but yeah, go fire up Google earth, spend time trolling. Um, you know, look, open up the state planner and Google earth and Onyx. If you have it all at the same time, look at them side by side. Um, that's yeah, really, really good stuff. And you'll, it, trust me, might take you an hour or two, but all of a sudden it'll start just popping out. You're Like, Whoa. It's really cool because it gets you fired up to go hunting too. That's part of the reason I do it is it gets you. It's that same kind of thing. You're exploring, you're looking,
1: you're like, oh, this is exciting. Right. Like it's part of the hunt. This is, is. Part, of, part of the pursuit. And uh, yeah, you guys, I'll, I'll link the um, blog post in the description. You can you can just literally follow the steps Baxter was talking about. Um, and hopefully like this these episodes, these crash course style episodes, I know we kind of cr- like go through it. We hit a lot of points, but hopefully it just gives you a picture and an overview of like what to expect in this process as you get into elk hunting. Uh, I know for me, it was super intimidating. I had no idea where to start, so hope it helps. Um, And then, yeah, feel free to reach out anytime. We will continue on through the crash course, and we got some fun guests coming on, so that's going to be pretty exciting, too. Yeah, and I'm going to do the the atypical thing, which is ask for support. (laughs) Like definitely help
0: us by... You know, subscribing to the podcast, five star review, you know, whatever it is, um, that's you know, we do a lot of work for this, and we're, uh, we don't really make anything. We don't, <laughs> definitely don't make anything. We lose money doing it, um, so it's really helpful for us if you do that, and we'll figure out how to make some money so my wife doesn't get pissed at
1: me later. <laughs> <laughs> for the joy of elk hunting, for now. exactly trying to be a good person and uh passing it along yeah (laughs) good times cool Um, yes please we really appreciate your support so i know it's really easy to listen to it and then just like i'll do it later but just take two seconds we'd really appreciate it thank you so much for listening
0: all right catch you on part three